This is Bentley Manning. And this is Kellen Day. This is an experiment to see what happens when church gets canceled. And we find new ways to connect. This is... This is... This is... Empty Pews. Hey, this is Kellen Day. Welcome to Empty Pews. Uh, We're coming to you from Highlands, North Carolina. And this is Bentley Manning. I'm here too. Bentley's back, in fact, from his retreat, which is why we weren't able to um, have an episode last week. How was your retreat, Bentley? It was wonderful. I'm back and I'm just aware before I tell you about my retreat that it's still raining. I left and it was raining. I came back and it's raining. Yes. And we're recording this on Tuesday and supposedly tomorrow, the day that this is going to be released is going to be beautiful and it's going to be sunny for like 10 days. That's what I hear. When when Noah started building the ark, apart from like just kind of getting the word from God, do you think it was like kind of like already started to rain a little bit or do you think it was dry? It was dry. You think it was dry? Is that what scripture says? I can't remember. I can't either. All I know is... I think it probably started raining. It takes no, a long time to flood someplace. Well... I guess if you're in a mountain, it takes a long time. But if you're might, in a valley, it does not. We might want to start thinking about building an ark. Yeah, we could get on that. So anyway, uh, it's still raining here, but Swanee was lovely. It was beautiful. Um, I got some time outside hiking. I did some reading. Um, I got some good rest, and I saw some friends. It was really wonderful to be back in Swanee, um, to be back in that environment. Um, I'm wondering, Bentley, if there's anything you would like to share, like a little nugget of wisdom that you um, discovered during your time of retreat in Sewanee? Yeah, I don't have a whole lot. I just think every now and then it's good to get a break, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. A break's great. You don't have to have anything uh, produced from that time of rest. Rest is a good end in and of itself. Are you, like, looking for, like, the kind of wisdom you'd find from, like, a church father right now? Or are you just asking just in general, like, what was something that you enjoyed while you were gone? I'm I'm looking for more, like, church father, monastic-style wisdom here. Like, I feel like when people are silent for a while and by themselves, like, sometimes things surface that we don't always realize is present. And so I'm just wondering if anything like that happened for you. Um, I, I don't think so, Kellen. Um, That's okay. It doesn't, it doesn't need to, like I said, rest is really a wonderful thing in and of itself. Yeah. There was a big thing of, uh, coffee ice cream in the refrigerator (laughs) and I was reminded of the goodness of coffee ice cream. You know, I love coffee ice cream. Yeah. I ate, I ate a gallon of it while I was gone. (laughs) Oh boy. I am reminded though, this is not my wisdom. It's someone else's. There was a lot of silence, uh, just by necessity, because I was by myself. Um, and I'm reminded of some words that were passed on to me from a pastoral theologian at Swanee that silence cleanses our words. It's good. It's a good piece of wisdom for all of us. Yeah. So every now and then, I don't know if I got this while I was away. Uh, maybe the rest of you not having to listen to me, my words might be a little fresher today. Uh, but it was nice to get some silence. Good. We're glad you're back. I'm glad I'm back also. This is where I want to be, never ever going to leave, you ain't no unit for me, 
So speaking of that pastoral theologian who you just mentioned, um, who is Julia Gada, and um, we are doing a book study on her most recent book called Life in Christ. And we're meeting on Sundays at nine um, over Zoom. <clears throat> and I've just really enjoyed our conversation so far, Bentley. I've, I thought they have been you know, relatively life-giving for me, even though they're over Zoom, which is still a hard format for me to engage um, people on. It's been life-giving for me as well. And I, I've been reminded, so many folks seem to have really, really appreciated Julia Gada's words. Uh, and I'm reminded of some words offered by Michael Ramsey, uh, who was a former Archbishop of Canterbury, who mentioned that people whose theologies are broad and shallow are confused and confusing. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. (laughs) Ouch is right. And Julia, like some other folks that I think we love, uh, is not, she's not confusing. Mm -mm. Uh, But there's a depth to her writing and to her insights uh, that kind of present in a really, I mean this, in in a really beautiful and straightforward, almost simple, like an elegant kind of way. Mm -hmm. Um, And so everyone's able to kind of get into the conversation, uh, but there's so much depth there that we could talk about the things that she's asking us to consider for years. Yeah, I mean, always. We could just talk about them always. (laughs) You mentioned the other day that why don't we just have this one class go on for the whole year? I know, because... um, We tried to get through half a chapter on Sunday, and the chapter we've been talking about is on baptism. And we found ourselves kind of like rushing um, to get through it because there's just, yeah, so, so many pieces that you could land and explore um, for so long. Yeah, I think that's absolutely right. Why in the world would we try to rush these conversations? We do have all the time in the world to consider uh, baptism, for example. There's no need to rush it. So it's a good, it was a good reminder at the end of class when you're, you know, we, we t- kind of put our heads together and agreed that we don't have to fly through this. Um, yeah. And for those of you who haven't read the book or aren't really familiar with Life in Christ um, by Julia Gata, it's a book about sort of foundational principles of our faith, right? It's about baptism. It's about Eucharist. It's about the liturgical calendar and spiritual practices, um, really almost elementary topics for Christians, right? But she does have this way of wherever you're coming in your faith journey, whether you're sort of a baby Christian or a deeply mature Christian, um, there's always there's room for you there. Um, there's always more for you to explore. And she does such a good job of laying that out. And out of curiosity, I'm, I, I've got some thoughts on this, but when you say uh, a deeply mature Christian, how would Julia describe someone who's a deeply mature Christian? Is Good question. I mean, I think for her, it'd be someone who, and for me, I guess this would be close to my answer, be someone whose life does participate in the divine life in such a way that you can um, see that their actions and words and whole self 
um, resembles something of Christ's self. Yeah, so I guess what I, part of the reason I asked is because it's, it's clearly not about data. Right. It's not about... I know this scriptural passage or, right, or this I've, catechism. I've read these books or whatever. It's about union with God in Christ and having a life reflective of that. And she gives us, I think, lots of room to explore that in our own lives and to consider the ways that we have failed uh, to respond to the gift that we've been given in baptism and then ways in which we might have um, responded faithfully to that. And, and so it's fun being able to do that with other people. I mean, this is a book you could certainly read on your own, but there's some wisdom to be shared uh, between friends. Mm-hmm as we consider life in Christ, because it's not something that we do on our own. So if you'd like to join our class, um, we'd love to have you. It's been a wonderful conversation, and there is always more room at the table for you. Let's get together. Let's get together. Let's get together. Everybody, let's get together. Let's get together. Let's get together. Like All right, so while our book study on Sunday has given us a text that's pretty straightforward and clear, this coming's gospel reading uh, for this coming Sunday from Matthew is a bit more confusing. In it, uh, Jesus tells a parable. He's been telling parables for the past couple of weeks now about a landowner who plants a vineyard, uh, puts up a fence around it, puts in a wine press, and he gives it, he leases it to tenants. And then the uh, landowner goes to another country. At the end of the year, at the end of harvest time, he sends, he sends his slaves uh, to the tenants to collect a portion of his produce. And what we're told in the parable is that the tenants kill the slaves that were sent to collect the produce. So then uh, the landowner sends a second group of slaves Uh, And the same thing happens to the second group. And then the landowner thinks to himself, I'll send my own son. Uh, They'll respect my son. They won't kill him. And I'll send him uh, to reap some of the harvest. And he goes, and in the parable, we're told that the tenants uh, kill the, the son as well in order to get his inheritance. Uh, And this is the confusing, startling, troubling parable that we're faced with uh, this coming Sunday at church. Woohoo! Well, Kellen, um, I've preached the past couple of Sundays, so it's certainly your your turn to preach. And I, I might actually be uh, grateful <laughs> that I'm not preaching this Sunday. I, 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 yeah, it's a tough one. I tend not I think to want a tough one. I tend not to want to say that kind of thing. But this is a tough parable. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Curious if there's some things that uh, jump out to you, kind of your initial thoughts. Um, my initial thoughts is that this parable is sort of obviously deeply allegorical, right? There are figures that, um, we can align with historical figures of the time, you know, the slaves, the two groups of slaves are probably, um, various prophets throughout the history of Israel, Um, and then of course the son is easily assigned with Jesus, but 
I just think like interpreting parables that way is not the most like exciting or uh, revelatory way you can interpret them. Um, but I do think there's some like obvious historical backdrop to this parable. So I, uh, something that jumps out to me a bit is in terms of kind of thinking about what this parable might reveal about our own hearts. I do think there's some deep wisdom in recognizing that we human beings believe, though we're just the tenants, uh, that this whole earth belongs to us and we're willing to kill anyone uh, to protect it as our own. And this parable kind of asks us to consider for a second, I think, that what we've been given is a gift that in the end belongs uh, to no one else other than God. And our inclination to protect all that we think is ours, even to the point of violence towards other people, is something that, that this gospel reading is kind of uh, asking us to, to think about. Yeah, I totally agree that this parable um, highlights and exposes the violent tendencies of humanity, right? And particularly in this parable, the chief priests and the Pharisees are being accused of um, violence, violence to the point of death um, towards Jesus, right? That's kind of the historical setting for this parable. Um, But I wonder, you know, for us here and now, what the parable might be asking us to consider is um, our own violence towards what belongs to God, namely Jesus. Yeah, so I think there are thousands, almost too many ways, right, to where it becomes uh, too broad in our kind of reflection. But a question that will come up in a couple of weeks, I I can't remember when it's going to show up, is, you know, render to Caesar, like give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. So what is God's property? And everything. Yeah, I'm orthodox enough to say that it all belongs to God. And to your point, Kellen, what are the ways or, you know, how how do we as humans uh, decide to blind ourselves to that reality and go on uh, killing others, uh, being violent towards others, other people created in the image of God, uh, the creation itself. The creation itself, and not realizing that all of this in the end belongs to God, and we're called to be good stewards of that. Mm-hmm. But I think especially, right, like, and Matthew just, or is it Luke? It's oh, Matthew. it's Matthew, right? And Matthew, a few chapters later, right, Jesus is very clear about how he shows up among humans very presently, right, with the least of these Um And, of course, everything belongs to God. But then to go even further to ask, you know, where is Jesus among us now? And and how have we um, been blind and even worse violent towards um, the poor, the hungry, the immigrant, um, the refugees, anyone who is, you know, disinherited? 
You know, Kellen, when I first read this parable a couple of minutes ago, preparing for the podcast, I thought to myself, what a violent uh, parable, what a violent story. But in the end, uh, my sense is that this message from Matthew's gospel is one of nonviolence. Uh, and it's a message where we, as children of God, are called uh, to reflect God's own peace with the world around us. Saying I want peace, that's where I am now It's the only thing I haven't found somehow There are other places, there are a million pretty faces But I want peace, that's where I am now Here's another blessing from Jan Richardson That's called blessing in a time of violence. Which is to say, this blessing is always. Which is to say, there is no place this blessing does not long to cry out and lament, to weep its words in sorrow, to scream its lines in sacred rage. Which is to say, there is no day this blessing ceases to whisper into the ear of the dying, the despairing, the terrified. Which is to say, there is no moment this blessing refuses to sing itself into the heart of the hated and the hateful, the victim and the victimizer, with every last ounce of hope it has. Which is to say, there is none that can stop it none that can halt its course, none that will still its cadence, none that will delay its rising, none that can keep it from springing forth from the mouths of us who hope, from the hands of us who act, from the hearts of us who love, from the feet of us who will not cease our stubborn, aching, marching, marching, until this blessing has spoken its final word. Until this blessing has breathed its benediction in every place, in every tongue. Peace, peace, peace. Saying I want peace, that's where I am now. It's the only thing I haven't found somehow. Thanks for joining this episode of Empty Pews. It's good to be with you all. I pray that the rain will stop by the next time we're together on this podcast. Um, Come join us for our class on Sunday morning if you'd like. And um, be on the lookout for more information about in-person Sunday worship coming at you next week. Yeah, and related to the class, uh, if you want to join us, please consider uh, buying the book Life in Christ by the Reverend Julia Gata. You can find that on Amazon uh, for sure. We love you. We miss you. God's peace.